We're going to start a, a brand new series this morning on whole life discipleship. As we do that, I, um, I'm kind of aware, and those that know me know that um, I can't just come up here and preach disengaged from the world that we live in. I know there was a lot of discussions going on um, in terms of what we're seeing in the Middle East at the moment and, and that situation. And, and really, in terms of that situation, I find it hard to say anything. Uh, I, you know, I, it, it's almost like let people work out for themselves uh, those situations. But as I thought about that, I thought, Maybe I should say something because you all know my, my close links to that part of the world. And um, over the last week, I've been thinking of the story of, of a man. I met his family when I was living in, in Bethlehem, uh, a man called Rami Yaid. And uh, Rami Yaid worked for the Palestinian Bible Society. And uh, he lived in Gaza. He was living there in 2007, and he ran a Christian bookshop. And uh, while he was there with his family, working with the Christians, uh, the bookshop was bombed and uh, serious damage was done. And Rami decided not to leave Gaza at that juncture. He decided to stay and continue the Christian witness in Gaza at that point. And uh, six weeks after the, the bookshop was bombed, uh, Rami was abducted and he was taken and he was tortured, and he was beaten, and he was shot in the head by members of Hamas. And uh, his family are just like us. All the people you watch on television are just like us. You know, and it's the same experience if you lose a husband or a father or you lose a child as us losing a husband or a father or a child. It's the same experience. And uh, I, I, I got the opportunity to, to talk with Rami's family, and they were just an ordinary family. And, and I began to appreciate the evil that was at work and present in places like Gaza, and the evil that we've seen at work in our world uh, that has been expressed just in the last week or so, which has been devastating. And I guess we're all praying in terms of how that works itself out. However, I also think we need to appreciate that, and I think it's, it's best said, actually, in the words of Ben Wallace, uh, a conservative ex-defense minister who's just stepped down in the last few months, uh, no, by no means illiberal. And uh, he said this, just this week. He said, Hamas has never spoken or represented the moderate Palestinian. It does not speak for the majority. We must not let these awful events drive us to the extremes where human rights, international law, and solutions of reconciliation are abandoned. That way will lead only to growth in instability and horror in the Gulf. If the winner of these attacks is extremism of any form, we all lose. And I, I just ask that that is our prayer, that all forms of extremism are moderated in the midst of what we're seeing at the moment in the Middle East. 
Let's turn to the question of what does whole life discipleship look like in terms of our situation? And, and it, it kind of goes back to some of what I've just been talking about because it's about how do we witness to Jesus in this world? First Peter talks about how we are called from a world of darkness into a world of light. But how then, as members of this new world, as members of this new community, as, as members of this living temple where Christ, is, the resurrected Christ is present, how do we embody that new resurrected life in our ordinary life? What does that look like? And, and, and the truth is, for many of us, we kind of divide the two. There's a kind of sacred, secular, secular divide where we, we sort of don't see our regular lives as particularly spiritual, as particularly significant in terms of our spirituality. And, and we don't understand what we do most of the time is pertinent to what it means to be a Christian. There, there, was, there was a survey done uh, a few years back, and it demonstrated that 98% of Christians said that they are neither envisioned nor equipped for mission in 95% of their waking lives. Just think about that. So, so what we do in church really doesn't equip people for what they do, for being a parent, being a grandparent, for working as a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or in a shop. None of it in terms of the church. What does it mean for you to be a Christian in these contexts? You see, what subtly has happened is that we've kind of defined mission in a very specialized way. And we think that the majority of what we do with our lives doesn't matter to God and to that mission. Doesn't matter in terms of what First Peter talks about, where he's saying we are to proclaim the glories of this God who has called us from darkness to light in the world. And, and we think that looks like going and standing on a street and shouting at people or handing out a track as people come in. And, and we've often got locked into this understanding. But actually, it's about Monday morning and getting up uh, at 7 o'clock and getting on the train or driving in and, and walking into the office or walking into the, the police station or, or walking into the hospital or, or walking into wherever you walk into and being what you do matters to God, and what you do matters to the mission of God. Every element of your life is about the expression of that mission. And, uh, and, and we've, we've, we've lost sight of this, and we've created a, a great divide where uh, we, we think of the things that are really important to God, well, prayer, Sunday services, church-based activities, but the other kind of stuff that we do is kind of irrelevant to God. Work, school, university, sport, the arts, music, rest, sleep, hobbies, parenting, grandparenting. It's irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. And, and what I want to do, and over the next few weeks, we want to try and 
help us do this is, is to break that down, that we begin to get a concept of mission in a radically different way. I, I, I believe that we fundamentally, and as we look at the brokenness of our world and our society, we fundamentally need to redesign and realize the concept of mission. Do you know, for, for, for those of you who are in a work context, you know, at the moment in our society, because almost any area of our society that you look at is tough, to, to be called to work and understand your work as part of your mission and part of your calling is fundamental to, to the future of our society. Do you know, if you're a parent or maybe your house husband or house wife, or, or you're a grandparent. Do you know, the future of our children is a fundamental thing in our society. And your mission and your calling there is a fundamental calling to that mission. And, and, and so what we want to explore and, and try and get a sense of is, first of all, that love of mission again and that calling to be those emissaries of light in a world of darkness, but also the sense that we are called to live for God where we are. I'll just read this. After all, whatever we are, wherever we are, classroom, school gate, kitchen, gym, field, factory, office. We all have the opportunity to live out God's values of kindness, truthfulness, and justice. We all have the opportunity to seek to be a blessing where we are, to help create a more enriching culture, and to bring God's wisdom to the challenges we face, and in God's time to share the hope that we have in Christ. You know, your work is not something that you have to do to earn money until you can retire and then you can retire and then really truly serve God. Your work is actually where you're called to serve God. Now, wherever that is, and you might say, well, I'm retired. Well, you've still got a fundamental calling on your life to be an influence. The, the million people or so that retired through COVID are a fundamental part of what our culture needs and a resource within our culture. You see, work, and, and I use that in the broadest sense, is a gift from God and a form of worship. I'm going to uh, just share some thoughts from Martin Luther, the great reformer, because Luther was one of the guys that really understood the need to say break down the sacred and secular divide. He said this, and I think it goes to the heart of Luther's thought on this matter. He said, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. What he's saying is the way that you honor and worship God in your work is by doing your work, whatever that is, as if you're rendering it to God. You know, so you may be a carer. And as you care, you render that care to God. You might be a teacher. And as you teach, you render that teaching to God. 
You might be a police officer, and as you serve in that area, you render that service as to God. It is my worship. Or you might be a parent, or you might be a grandparent, or you might be a retiree, but you render whatever you do in that context as if it is to God. My life and what I do with that life becomes an offering to God. You see, God has given you a task to do the best that you can in terms of that situation, in terms of the ability and calling that he has placed in your life. And we need to understand that Christian mission is about being the best that we can be in that context that God has put us in. It's, it's, it's not just about going, I've got to turn up nine to five and five o'clock I can get out on the golf course or I can get out, hang out in the coffee shops or do whatever I want to go and do. It's actually about saying, God, I want to give my life and, and I want to honor and worship you. And it isn't about handing out tracts. It's about actually making my life worthwhile and being the best that I can be in the context that you've put me in. Do you know, in, in, in this day and age and in the world that we're living in, we need Christians to adopt that attitude. I think it was John Stott who said, you know, if the meat goes rotten, you can't blame the meat because that's what it does. You can blame the salt because it hasn't preserved. And in our society, if our society is trashed, you know, it is trashed because we fail to be that effective Christian presence in the areas that we are working in or that we can be an influence in. So work is a gift from God and a form of worship. Secondly, again, as I say, these are thoughts from Martin Luther. Work is a way of serving God and loving our neighbors. Uh, Luther said this, he said, God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. And now, that what we do actually is serving other people. I remember uh, when I was at university, I, I kind of had a, a part-time job in Marks and Spencers. And uh, I learned so much in Marks and Spencers. It was a brilliant uh, experience. But I used to sit on tills, and, and these were the good old days where you, you didn't just swipe things. We used to have to type it in and, and push buttons and add up people's shopping for them. And, and I'll tell you, on those, as you sat there doing this, it was fairly numb, mind-numbing after a while, but, you know, we met so many people. And we engaged with people. And we interacted with people just sitting there. And we were serving others. Now, I know there are some jobs where it's more obvious, your love of others. And, and it's not so easy to work it out in other, some other jobs. But all of us can see what we do as an outworking of that love. We honor God by making a contribution. But you know something? It is sometimes hard. It's sometimes hard. And, and, and as Christians, I, uh, 
we, we have to respond to that situation as Christians, as part of that calling. You know, my, my wife, she's a nurse, and uh, don't need to look too far to understand that the NHS is, is severely depleted. It's like almost every other area of our society, severely depleted. And, you know, there's some days that she'll come in from work and we'll kind of sit down and we'll say, how, do, how did you day go, you know, and there's just a sigh, and it's just like, it's horrendous, it's horrific, you know, we just can't possibly do all that we are asked to do in terms of the resources that we're being given to deliver these things in, and the question is, what does a Christian do in that context, what does it look like, what does Christian service do when it gets tough, when it's hard at work, when it's hard as a parent, when it's hard as a grandparent. You see, we're called to serve God practically and demonstrate in these concrete situations. Thirdly then, work is a means of sanctification and growth. Again, Luther says this, God breaks and hinders every design and purpose of mine which is not agreeable to his will in order that he may mold and shape me according to his own way. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about your work like this, but work is a means of spiritual growth and transformation. Have you ever thought about that? You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, let's go to the home group. That's where, let's go to the prayer meeting. That's where we're going to spiritually grow. You don't think, oh, let's get up on Monday morning and go to work. But actually, it's in work that we find the opportunities to spiritually grow and experience transformation. You know, when you have that difficult person that you have to work beside, when you have to deal with that situation, when your attitudes are tested and tried, when you've got opportunity to be dishonest or not, where you have situations to demonstrate integrity or not, you see, spiritual growth occurs, if you think about it, predominantly in these contexts, in our work and home context. And, and again, we have to see these situations as places for spiritual growth. I, I did a wedding last week, and, and I was saying to, to the couple as they get married, because you guys are getting married, this doesn't give you the right to say whatever you feel and think to the person that you've just made these promises to. Most people think that's how marriages work. But that isn't what a marriage is to be about. A marriage is to be about a place where you grow spiritually and you learn transformation. You know, it should be a place where you're saying, okay, this is part of me growing as a person in relation here in this place. Because work is a means of sanctification and growth. And, and I would invite you to rethink your attitude towards your work, towards your family, towards your relationships. And not see them as something you need to get away from so you can go to the prayer meeting and grow as a Christian. But actually the places where you do grow as a Christian. Ephesians 5 is really interesting. Paul says, go on being filled with the Spirit. And then you think, great, Paul, what are you going to talk about? And then you think, he's going to describe something like wildfire, where we have great music, and we can just worship God, and, you know, there's a sense of the Spirit that's tangible and everything. That's what Paul means when he says, go on being filled with the Spirit. 
And then he turns around and he says, you know, things like, husbands, love your wives. Kids, obey your parents. And he starts to do all this family stuff. And you go, what? wait a minute, Paul. I, I thought you were talking about being filled with the Spirit. Not all that stuff. See, Paul understood that spiritual transformation and growth occurs in the context of family and in the context of our relationships. Lastly, work is the sphere of witness and ministry. And again, I know that in many of our work situations, uh, it's, it's not easy to share your faith, and maybe we're not even able to share our faith. But Luther said this, Christ, the Christian lives not in himself, but in Christ. And what he meant by that was, he was saying, you know, you are a witness. People will usually discover that you're a Christian or not. And, and, and the, the question is, you, you may remember the old track which said, if you were put on trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And, uh, and, 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 you know, that's an interesting question to ask yourself in terms of where you work. If you are put on trial for your faith, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? You know, in terms of your attitude and the way that you do it, is there enough evidence? The way that you relate to your children or your grandchildren, is there enough evidence there of your witness? And again, I don't mean that you kind of hand them tracks and do gospel messages every three minutes. I mean being the kind of person that people can look at and say, hey, there's something here that reflects the light of Jesus. You know, Luther believed that work is a sphere of witness and ministry where Christians can demonstrate their faith and share the gospel with others. And whatever area you are in, in whatever realm, and again, you may be retired or you may be in work or you may be just at home, but wherever you are, you're a witness to those that you come into contact with and you influence. And we're called, and, and actually, that's your predominant area of witness. And maybe over the next three weeks, we can begin to reflect, what does that witness look like? How do I change that witness? How do I improve that witness to reflect the light of God in this situation? How do I spiritually grow in this situation so that I reflect that maturity of Christ in my attitudes and my nature? And how do I glorify and worship God in everything that I do? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the challenge of what whole life discipleship makes. Lord, forgive us for the times that we separate out sacred and secular, for the times that we divide so much of our living and our life from our faith. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make faith central to every aspect of our lives. Lord, help us to understand that our faith is worked out in where we work, in how we relate, in how we use our leisure time. Lord, help us to be examples of you in the places that you have called us to and put us. Lord, I, I pray for those of us who find ourselves in work situations that are hard and difficult. 
Help us, Lord, work out what it means to be a witness to you in that situation. Lord, I pray for those of us who find ourselves in family situations or relational situations where it's tough to be a Christian. Lord, I pray that you would help us work out what it means to glorify you. Lord, I pray for those of us who have opportunities of influence, particularly over children. Lord, and I pray that you would help us to see what it means to be the ones that glorify you and reflect our love of you in every context. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen.